0: Welcome to UAB MedCast, a continuing education podcast for medical professionals, providing knowledge that is moving medicine forward. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome to UAB MedCast. I'm Melanie Cole, and joining me today is Dr. Ronald Lazar. He's the Director in the Division of Neuropsychology and the Director of the Evelyn F. McKnight Brain Institute at UAB Medicine, and he's here to highlight personalized brain health for us today. Dr. Lazar, it's a pleasure to have you join us as we get into this fascinating topic. What is personalized brain health and what's the importance of it in optimizing patient outcomes? How can this
1: and these types of interventions improve patient care and treatment outcomes? So, let's first define brain health, Melanie, and thank you for having me today. So, brain health can be defined pathologically by the presence of disease such as neurodegenerative disease, stroke, tumor, and so forth, which certainly can affect brain function. From the patient's point of view, however, and thinking about it more pragmatically, is the ability of the brain to allow us to function in everyday life. So, the point of brain health is to manage those things that we can modify ourselves in trying to maximize the ability to be able to do things in everyday life by working on lifestyle factors and other vascular conditions. So how do you define optimum brain health? The ability to function everyday life is a, a definition that people individualize. It depends on goals and aspirations. It's being able to do what you want to do based on your own values, experience, and ability to interact with others.
0: This is fascinating, and brain health to me is absolutely fascinating. So let's speak about some of the risk factors for cognitive decline and the consequences of poor brain health, but also, Dr. Lazar, the consequences and the interaction, the link between overall health and brain health.
1: We treat the brain like we treat the heart. Vascular risk factors such as blood pressure, smoking, reducing diabetes risk by reducing sugar intake having a healthy diet, weight control, controlling lipids or cholesterol, that is, engaging in regular physical activity, all benefit the heart, but also benefit the brain as well. These are not things that we start at 65 years of age, trying to maximize how we get older. Rather, it's a lifelong process because it's the accumulation of risk factors over many years, which determines what happens when we're in older age.
0: So let's talk about key factors. To consider when developing a personalized brain health plan for patients. I'm an exercise physiologist, Dr. Lazar, so when I hear you speak about the link between that overall wellness and similar to heart health as the brain health is, how do you ev- effectively assess and evaluate an individual's brain health status to inform personalized treatment strategies as, it, as we said it all goes together? So tell us a little bit about that assessment.
1: So we can use a variety of, of different questionnaires as well as an informal process to go through a list of all of the factors we need to pay attention to. So what doctors or nurses or other healthcare champions within the healthcare environment or even the community can do is take a person's blood pressure, ensure that smoking has stopped if they've been doing it already engaging in regular physical exercise, and we can talk more about that a little later, given your expertise, reducing our diabetes risk to make sure that we're not consuming too much sugar, and controlling overall diet as well in terms of consumption of fats and so forth, making sure that our weight is within normal limits and we're controlling the amount of cholesterol intake that we have. And these are all factors that can be discussed with the physician or the nurse, for example, and indicated what targets we should reach. So, for example, we take blood pressure. Blood pressure is the most devastating risk factor we have for brain health. This has been known for many years. The higher your blood pressure, the greater risk you have for bad brain health as manifested by later depression, later dementia, or stroke. So the current guidelines look for a systolic blood pressure of 120 over 80. And the higher you are off of that, the greater risk that you are. And it, this is even true at, at younger ages in 20s and 30s. So these are things that can be discussed with your healthcare provider and the targets put forth about what it is you should try to treat.
0: Dr. Lazarus, you're speaking to other providers, and one of the things I find the most interesting is how we're all coming together as healthcare providers for so many of these advancements in medicine. I'd like you to speak how the interventions you're discussing can be integrated in a multidisciplinary approach with other healthcare disciplines, mental health, neurology, you mentioned depression, neurology, geriatrics, which is such a burgeoning field, my goodness, to provide that comprehensive care for optimum brain health.
1: So I believe that every general medical physician as well as specialist should be mindful of Whatever it is they specialize in has its effect on brain health. But I think it's important to put forth the fact that it's really the obligation of the primary health care provider to integrate all this information, because those are the individuals over the lifespan who are going to have the most frequent contact with individuals and will monitor them most often. And you don't go to a specialist unless you have a particular problem. Much of medical care at the specialty level is based on the presence of a disease or an injury. But in primary healthcare, one of the mandates is trying to maintain good health, primary preventive medicine, and brain health falls within that spectrum. So whether it's a physician or a nurse or some other healthcare provider in the primary care setting, I think that's where it should be based. If someone has to be referred to a specialist, the specialist will treat whatever disease or condition is of relevance, but also address the larger issues, how their specialty area impacts brain health, and therefore other factors should be paid attention to. So there are opportunities even for the specialist, but the basis has to be primary health care over the lifespan.
0: Agreed. Now, as we look forward into personalized brain health, which personalized medicine, precision medicine, all of these things that that seems to be where we're moving, can you identify any gaps in our current understanding of brain health? Is there anything that you wish we were learning about now that we don't know or that we didn't
1: know 20 years ago? I think that we have much more knowledge than we actually share. There was a study performed and and published in 2019 in Gemma Neurology. And what they did was they surveyed about 1,000 individuals between the ages of 50 and 64 Mm -hmm. years of age. And they asked the question, how often does your provider discuss the risks for dementia, the risk for cognitive decline? And it only turned out that 5% of the respondents actually said their doctor ever paid attention and addressed it. So I think there is less change in knowledge now than bringing forth the knowledge we actually do have many of these things have been known for years and blood pressure targets may have changed three or four years ago but the principle of high blood pressure affecting the brain has been known for decades so it's not it's less amount less having to do with particular new developments in our understanding than actually applying the knowledge that we have already
0: that's interesting that is very interesting and definitely something to look forward to as you're thinking about this topic, what would you like the key message to be for other providers? I'd like you to speak and summarize for us, Dr. Lazar, about the lifestyle changes. You mentioned a few of them and the age that individuals should engage in making these lifestyle changes because, you know, our younger patients don't tend to think they, you know, it's an immortality kind of attitude so they don't think about things like brain health. Maybe they think of muscle health or skin health or some of those things, but they don't tend to think about the brain. So can you wrap this all up with your key
1: takeaways and your best advice? So I absolutely agree with the point that this is a lifestyle endeavor. The studies are absolutely clear that what we do younger has more of an effect of what happens to us older than what we do when we're older. And this includes Everything from stress to good sleep to, ga- to engaging in, in regular exercise, and I'm talking about aerobic exercise where you get your heart to move faster. And so the doctor has to sit down or the nurse has to sit down with the patient, look at their blood pressure. How much exercise are you getting? Have you stopped smoking? How much alcohol are you consuming? Asking these questions. It doesn't take as long as you might think. And the more we stress, the early we take care of these things the more outcomes are going to be better. I think almost everybody these days probably knows somebody who's had Alzheimer's disease, and that's really frightening, the notion of losing your mind. And anyone who's had a grandparent who's been lost, so they'd be younger, knows how devastating it is both to the patients ultimately and the families as well. So with a greater understanding of dementia and Alzheimer's disease, I think there's a new impetus to say maybe we should do something about our brain health. We started a program here at UAB, and which is called BHAM, the Brain Health Advocacy Mission, which is in several primary care clinics. And the average age of our patients now is 46 years old, with patients as young as 20, because as soon as you start explaining it to them, there is an awareness perhaps they didn't have before that they can do something now. And it doesn't mean they have to start in large steps. Start in small steps and build gradually over time until there's a lifestyle and attention to risk factors, which will maximize your outcomes.
0: Informative episode. Dr. Lazar, thank you so much for joining us today. And for more information, please visit our website at uabmedicine.org physician. That concludes this episode of the UAB MedCast. For updates on the latest medical advancements, breakthroughs, and research, follow us on your social channels. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.